0: Good morning church. There was a driver for a florist shop who stopped at a roadside diner. The waitress brought him over a hamburger, a cup of coffee, and a piece of pie. And as the driver was about to eat, three men in leather jackets pulled up on motorcycles and walked inside the diner. And immediately, in seeing him, they began to give this driver for a florist shop a very hard time. The driver sat there calmly, not responding to their insults. One motorcyclist grabbed the man's hamburger and ate it. The driver of the florist shop did nothing. The second motorcyclist grabbed his coffee and drank it right down. Still, no response from the florist driver. The third biker took his piece of pie and devoured it. The driver didn't say a word. Calmly, he got up, he put on his jacket, he paid the cashier, and he left. And one of the bikers said to the cashier, not much of a man, is he? No, he's not much of a driver either, the cashier replied. He just ran his van over three motorcycles. (laughs) You know, it's hard to hide anger. Sooner or later, it comes out. You may give the appearance that you're calm on the inside, and yet you're fuming anger. How can it be handled? Is it okay to be good and angry at times? Why does it go wrong? Well, we continue in our sermon series, Wise Up, by looking at the book dedicated to wise living, the book of Proverbs. And so I invite you to turn to Proverbs. You can go kind of to the middle of your Bibles and then go back a few pages and you're going to find the book of Proverbs. And start there, just jump in anywhere in Proverbs and I'll lead you as we start going through this. Now, if you've been here uh, in our series, you you realize that we spent uh, several weeks um, in the first nine chapters. And then we began last week looking at various Topics splattered throughout chapters 10 through 31. And last week, we looked at the seriousness of pride and the need for humility in our lives. It was very appropriate, actually, to start there, since the indispensable requirement for gaining wisdom is humility before God. It's to fear the Lord. It's to come humbly before Him that we must build our lives upon in order to live skillfully in this world. Now I remind you that Proverbs are general statements that teach a lesson and not necessarily promises to be claimed. They tell you the way things normally work, but they're, they're not a, a, a one-size-fits-all. And a part of being wise is understanding that different circumstances call for different responses. Proverbs helps us with that. So I hope you're reading through it, maybe a chapter a day, uh, as, as you can pull out the many different topics that are here. And I remind you of these Proverbs, that they're written in a poetic form, which uses imagery and metaphors. Uh, the economy of words, and Hebrew parallelism, which rhymes ideas rather than rhyming sounds. So often the second line is rhyming the first line through contrast, comparison, or expanding on the first line. And that's just a poetic way that we need to be understanding. That's Hebrew parallelism. Well, this morning, as is obvious, I want to look at what Proverbs says about anger. Anger is one of those respectable sins in the Christian community. We tend not to think a big deal. It's a big deal. and We figure everyone sort of has it. You might recall the first sin east of Eden was anger. But for Cain and his offering, Genesis 4, 9 tells us, God did not look with favor, so Cain was very angry and his face fell. His face was downcast. And of course, as you know, the the, the true account there is anger and his jealousy led to murder of his brother Abel. And in the New Testament, in Galatians 5, there's a list of sins there that are works of the flesh. And on that list of works of the flesh, you'd expect, and it's there, sexual immorality and impurity and sensuality and idolatry and sorcery. I mean, the major sins as we categorize them. And then on that same list, works of the flesh, there's strife, there's jealousy, there's fits of anger on that same list. And all of us from time to time, including me, Get angry. We get angry with our children. We get angry with that rude driver who took our spot. We get angry with some sports team. We get angry with an incompetent worker. We get angry with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It seems really as though Christians are mad about a lot of things. And outside the church, we have a culture of anger, don't we? So, Do we know how to deal with our anger when it shows up? I mean, what do we do? Should we count to ten? Should we kick the cat? (laughs) Should we smack our pillow with a tennis racket? Should we growl out loud? I mean, should we go out in the woods and scream? Should we slowly repeat a calming word such as relax? Or technique I, I read about a while, while ago, we, we, when we have anger, we can feel our face and the tension that is there and sort of massage the anger away. Huh. I don't know. There's plenty of advice out there on the subject, but is it the right advice? All right, the book of Proverbs provides some help on this matter of anger. First heading this morning is Proverbs helps us to assess anger correctly. Proverbs helps us to assess anger correctly. All right, look with me at Proverbs chapter 15, verse 18. And just like last week, you know, we're going to be bouncing around to look at several different Proverbs. I trust you can stay with me along the way. But Proverbs 15, verse 18 says, A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. All right, what does this tell us about anger? Anger. can stir up dissension. Anger is powerful. It is powerful. It can take a, a postage stamp size issue and blow it up to billboard in size. It's powerful enough to turn just a, a, a regular kind of disagreement into a bitter contest that can divide families and friends and even split a church. It's powerful. A hot-tempered person One who's easily angered can at any point pour gasoline on a fiery situation so that it rages out of control, destroying everything and everyone in its path. Are you a bear to be around? (laughs) Are people tiptoeing around you because your level of of patience is as brittle as an eggshell? They go, oh, we just say the wrong thing, it's going to explode. Everyone be careful here. Is that you? The power of anger, it's, it's ugly. And Proverbs helps us to assess anger correctly. I also in Proverbs, we see that it helps us to assess it and that there is a place for anger. Not only is there power of anger, there is a place for anger. There is good anger. There, there is a way to get good and angry. The second half of, of that Proverbs 15, 18 says, But a patient man calms a quarrel. If you go over one page to chapter, uh, to to 16, chapter 16, verse 32, it says, better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. Now that phrase showed up there, patient man, as we saw it in Proverbs 15, 18, literally, it says, one who is slow to anger. One who is slow to anger. And we see that phrase used of God in scripture. Slow to anger is an attribute of God. God got angry. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't fly off the handle. He doesn't lose his temper, but he does get angry. God became angry with the children of Israel many times. God cannot be neutral when it comes to evil. His anger is always a righteous, holy Anger. You see, anger is an emotion. It's a a God-given emotion. And so to say that a Christian should never get angry would be biblically incorrect. Anger is not always wrong. There are causes that ought to make us good and angry. John Chrysostom put it this way, He said, he that is angry without cause sins and he that is not angry when there is cause sins for unreasonable patience is the hotbed of many vices. Very interesting. In other words, the answer to the emotion of anger is not indifference. It isn't to be no anger but slow to anger. Not no anger but slow to anger to anger. Do you realize that in the New Testament, there's actually a command to be angry? There is. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. I think it's, I should have looked this up in between. Services, it's either verse 25 or 26. It's in that that address. You'll find it. But it's there. It says there's a command. It says, be angry and sin not. Some of you know the rest of that. see the evil in society should stir up some feelings of anger within when justice wins even for a moment the response could justifiably be anger so there's so there's such thing as good anger if you love something or someone and you see the thing or person you love threatened you are angry and rightly so but good anger get this is in proportion to the cause so how does, how does anger go sideways? Well, obviously when your anger is disproportionate to the cause. Like, like blowing up a, an abortion clinic because you're angry at what they stand for. That's disproportionate. And so just as the solution isn't no anger but slow anger, but neither is the solution blow up in anger. And just, well, just let it all out. For Proverbs 29.11, says a fool gives full vent to his anger. That is why just let it all out is not an effective way to deal with anger. Ventilating anger is like ventilating a fire. It doesn't put it out. It fans it into flame. And perhaps you know the story. I I believe it's a true story. Uh, Back many years ago now, there was a man in California who was angry about sharing his apartment with cockroaches. Okay, you can understand that. So he went out, he went to the store, and he bought 25 activated bug bombs. Now, according to the label, only two canisters of the bug spray would have solved this problem. But he was so ripping mad that he and fed up with those cockroaches that he wanted to blast them with 25 cans. And so he went home, he set off the 25 canisters at once, and he did get rid of his cockroaches. <laughs> That's not all. When the spray reached the pilot light of the stove, it ignited, blasting his screen door across the street, breaking all his windows, and setting his furniture ablaze. The blast caused over $10,000 damage to the apartment building. What's your anger costing you? A quick-tempered man does foolish things, Proverbs fourteen seventeen says. Oh, yes, he does. So there's a place for anger, yes, but remember its power. If it's not in control and it's disproportionate to the cause, it has gone wrong. And if you let everything bug you and you don't learn to control it, it is going to get worse. Why? Because Proverbs' assessment of anger also teaches us that anger is addictive. You ever thought about it that way? Anger is addictive. Proverbs 29, verse 22. 29, 22. It says that a hot-tempered person commits many sins. In other words, when you respond in anger, the more you'll need to be angry and will continue to be angry, losing control, leading to many sins. Okay, it's addictive. I'm so angry right now. I need more angry. And then you're more angry. And then you kind of stay right with that one until you commit many sins. Proverbs 19, 19. 19.19, very interesting proverb here. 19.19, it says, A hot-tempered man, one who's out of control with his anger, must pay the penalty. Now get this. If you rescue him, you will have to do it again. The point here is that an angry person will constantly find himself in some kind of trouble. If you jump right in and bail that person out so he doesn't feel his consequences, he'll never learn. You're going to have to keep bailing him out. You're going to have to do it again and again and again because it's addictive. And unless he changes and breaks the addictive cycle, nothing's going to change. You've got to be serious about anger, it's addictive, it's powerful. Proverbs helps us to assess anger correctly. Secondly, a second heading this morning is Proverbs helps us deal with anger in others. Proverbs helps us deal with anger in others. Look with me at Proverbs 30, verse 33. Proverbs 30, verse 33. 30, 33, it says, For as churning the milk produces butter, and as twisting the nose produces blood, so stirring up anger produces strife. Now, as is typical with Proverbs, metaphors are used to get the point across. that's well, the point? I mean, most, it's safe to say most of us in this room are not churning milk to get butter. I don't know the last time you did that. But it involves, my understanding is it involves pressing. Same with causing a nosebleed. If you, if you press on someone's nose, if you punch someone's nose, you're going to likely draw blood. So what's the point? Here it is. Don't press the issue with an angry person. Don't press the issue with an angry person. They're in your face. Don't go right back at them. Don't press the issue. You're not going to get anywhere. It's going to stir it up. It's only going to produce strife. If someone gets you angry and you keep that anger going... If you respond in kind, it's not going to resolve itself. If you respond to yelling with more yelling, it only fuels the argument. If you respond to anger with greater anger, is that going to resolve it, really? No, not likely. It's kind of like that one dog who's outside in the yard. Seems to always be at night, and he starts to bark. He doesn't want to be there. And then that one dog who barks, he sets off a second dog who's also outside and doesn't want to be there. And that dog seems to bark louder, who sets off another dog, right? And he barks louder, and soon no one's getting any sleep. How do you respond to someone else's anger? He barks, I bark louder. You do that to me, I'll get you back even worse. Proverbs 24, 28 and 29, check this one out. Proverbs 24, 28, and 29. Proverbs 24, verse 28. Do not testify against your neighbor without cause or use your lips to deceive. Do not say, I'll do to him as he has done to me. I'll pay that man back for what he did. Now, this isn't saying that you can never testify against your neighbor. It's not what it's saying at all. But the one spoken here is testifying how? Out of retaliation. He's doing, it, he's doing this, this testifying in a spirit of vengeance. It's kind of this uh, sorry, not sorry kind of attitude. I'm going to do this. No, I'm sorry. No, I'm really not. I'm really glad you get it coming to you. Now, notice in this proverb that the man is speaking. And I ask the question to whom is he speaking? To whom is he saying, verse 29, I'll do to him as he has done to me. I'll pay that man back for what he did. Who's he talking to? Himself. He's talking to himself. Back in an earlier sermon in the series, I mentioned that the greatest influence on you is you. What do you tell yourself? This man here is stewing over what has happened to him. You ever done that? You kind of rehearse it. Someone did something to you and you just think about it constantly. You're all bent out of shape. You keep telling yourself what he did to you. And then as soon as an opportunity comes and it strikes, that we can give him a piece of our mind. We attack. It's been there all along waiting to come out. That's uncontrolled anger. That's when anger goes sideways. I mean, it's hard to be wronged It's even more difficult to be wronged and not fight back. It's so unfair. When attacked, when something hurts, there's a proper way to respond to that. How are we to respond? A very well-known proverb, Proverbs 15, verse 1. Check it out, Proverbs 15, verse 1. Great verse to memorize. Great verse to write on an index card on your phone and carry it with you through the day. Proverbs 15.1 could save us a lot of heartburn and headache and strife. <clears throat> I wish I practiced it more often than I do, but it says in Proverbs 15.1, A gentle answer turns away wrath. A harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle, soft response can calm a heated situation. I mean, not always. But it has a better chance of extinguishing the fire than if we pour more gasoline on it. So, there you are, someone has said something uh, to you in anger, and they're either on the edge of losing it, or maybe they've already lost it, and the question that hangs in the air at that moment is, how are you going to respond? I mean, you could be mad. You may feel quite angry at what the person said or did to you. How are you going to respond? Rage back, let them have it, walk off in a huff and say a few things as you walk out of the room, slam some things, throw some things perhaps, give them what they've given you. Proverbs counsels us in our anger, show restraint. Restraint. We are wise when we choose not to escalate an argument with the way we speak and our reaction. A soft answer is the way to go to calm the quarrel. Words have that kind of power. Consider, consider the words from the lips of Jesus as he was hanging on the cross, being executed not for any sins he had committed, but for our sins. And as evil men... Physically abused him and, and assaulted him verbally. And as he hung there on the cross about to die, he said these words three words, and how powerful three words they are Father, forgive them. <laughs> you talk about a gentle answer. How could he say that in such a time as that? Because Jesus absorbed our sin. He he took the cup of God's anger upon our sin. We we were God's enemies. We have shaken our fists at God in rebellion. We've been angry with God. And Jesus attacked the problem, our greatest problem, the problem of sin. You see, Christ went beyond anger at wrong. He suffered for it. He died for our sin, hating the sin, but loving the sinner. We can do the same. We can, we can come in close. That moment when that anger is coming at us, we can come in close. We can absorb their anger without paying back, without attacking the person. We can respond by hating the sin, yet loving the sinner. We can respond by attacking the problem, not the person. Martin Luther King Jr., in one of his well-known speeches, said it this way. He said, while abhorring segregation, we shall love the segregationist. While abhorring segregation, we shall love the segregationist. All right, third heading this morning. Proverbs helps us address the anger within. Proverbs helps us address the anger within. Anger is real for all of us. I mean, it shows up many different ways. I don't know where you are on the spectrum. It might, be, it might be you're passive aggressive. You're kind of going to do it underhandedly. Um, it might be just be explosive and everyone's kind of dancing around you because they're nervous what are you going to do next. It might be withdrawal privileges. You know, you're going to treat me that way. I'm going to be in my anger. You're not going to get anything from me for a while. It might be, I'm just going to be cool towards that person. It might be vengeful. It, it might be bitterness that's working itself in your heart. It's a, it might be irritation. It might be this air of, of almost constant exasperation. It might just be complaining. Wherever we might land on the spectrum, it would serve us well to grapple with and address any anger within. Because we are to throw off everything that hinders, Hebrews 12 tells us. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us in running the race to the finish. And anger, church, anger just might be such a hindrance to finishing strong. It, it, anger has taken powerful men down. For example, Alexander the Great. Powerful man in history. We talked about it back in the Daniel series. Powerful man in history. He was energetic. He was versatile. He was intelligent. He conquered many cities and vanquished many foes. But he had failed miserably to control his own angry spirit. And the story goes that on one occasion... It was a dear friend of his, while intoxicated, began to ridicule Alexander in front of his men. And Alexander didn't care for that too much. And so he became so angry that he snatched a spear from the hand of a soldier and he threw it at his friend. He had only intended to kind of scare his drunken friend. But instead the spear took the life of his childhood buddy. The story goes that this led to deep remorse and guilt for Alexander the Great. For days, he lay sick. He was even calling out for his friend. He was chiding himself as a murderer. I mean, it got so bad that Alexander tried to take his own life. He didn't because he was stopped by his own men. There is a long list of influential people who limited their influence because they were never able to get control of their anger. Proverbs 16.32, 16.32 says, better a patient man than a warrior, (laughs) a man who controls his temper, the one who takes the city. See, being a war hero hero is nothing compared to controlling your temper. It's better to conquer yourself than to conquer anything else in the world. I mean, you may have uh, built a successful business and You may set sale records at work. You may be a supervisor over others. You may be managing large amounts of details at your job. I mean, you may be an impressive Bible teacher. You may be the best on the team, the smartest in the class, most talented in the band. You may be good at what you do. But those accomplishments are nothing compared to controlling your anger and it just may be that anger will be your downfall. Now believe it or not, we have control over our anger. It may not always feel like we do, but we do have choices about what to do with our anger. I mean, hitting your pillow won't cure it. <laughs> Kicking the dog won't really help. Venting to anyone who will listen it's not gonna resolve it. There is a better way. Over and over and over in Proverbs the message is clear regarding handling our anger. Look at Proverbs 14:29. Proverbs 14:29. 14, 14:29 29. 14, 29 says, A patient man, again, slow to anger, person what is it? what has great understanding. But a quick-tempered man displays folly. So one slow to anger, what does he do? He seeks to understand. A quick-tempered person just reacts. See, a choice to make when you're angry is to look to understand the situation. Take a step back, understand it, then just react. Because we can so easily jump to conclusions. While waiting at the airport terminal for a plane to begin boarding, A woman sat there reading a newspaper. Earlier, before she sat down, she had purchased a package of cookies in the uh, airport snack shop to eat after she got on the plane. And out of the corner of her eye, she noticed the man sitting next to her was eating a cookie. She looked down and noticed that her package of cookies had been opened, and the man was just eating them, (laughs) The woman couldn't believe that this man would have such a nerve as to eat her cookies. And so that she wouldn't lose all of her cookies to the man, she slowly reached over, took a cookie, and ate one herself. To her amazement, the man continued to eat her cookies. Getting more and more irritated, the woman uh, removed all but one cookie from the package and ate the rest of the cookies and left one sitting there on the table. Well, at that point, the man reached down, he looked at the last cookie and And before eating it, he he broke it in half and he he left half of it, half that cookie for the woman. Now this made the woman so angry. She grabbed the empty package with a half cookie and crammed it in her purse. Then to her shock, she noticed that there in her purse was her unopened package of cookies. (laughs) She was eating his cookies. Assumptions. How wrong they can be. Might there be some wrong judgments or judgments made on partial information that get us all worked up about somebody? Well, one slow to anger has great understanding. He tries to understand, not just be understood. Address the anger within. Look to gain some understanding. We can address the anger within by practicing restraint. We've already seen this. Let's come back to this. Proverbs 1727. 27. 17, 20 says, a man of knowledge uses words with restraint. And here it is again, a man of understanding is even tempered. Now, to be even tempered, to keep one's cool in the midst of conflict. And so when a, when a, when a uh, discussion is kind of churning your stomach, it's tightening up your muscles and it's pushing all your buttons, they're indicating you need to pause gain some composure and perspective before opening your mouth or sending that email or that text, cool down before you speak. Church, before you send that text, before you send that email, before you make that phone call, before you tell everybody else about what's going on, cool down. Take a step back Restrain from saying anything, doing anything. It's been said: speak when you're angry, and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. <laughs> Proverbs twenty nine eleven, when it says a fool gives full vent to his anger, that verse goes on to say, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Keeps himself under control literally means calms it back. It's used in other places. And speaking of calming a storm. Now, that isn't that appropriate? Because anger acts like a storm. What do we need to do? Calm it back. And to speak of calming back isn't suggesting we just kind of come up with ways to stuff our anger. So we go outside and we drive over somebody's motorcycle. Don't just stuff it. We need to calm it back when we're about to speak. When angry, wisdom involves self-control when angry. All right, all right, let's break this down some more. Let's get practical. We said that anger can be good. We've also seen that anger can go wrong. So do us some good to discern where our anger comes from. What is the root of your anger? It's been said, roots become shoots, become trees, become forests. A while back, I listened to a sermon by Tim Keller on the subject of anger, And I came away from that with three questions. Three questions. The three questions we can ask when we feel that emotion of anger within. Question number one is, what is so important to me that I am angry about it? What is so important to me that I am angry about it? Are we angry because God's honor has been slighted? Is that usually what's getting us worked up? If so, it can be a very powerful tool to move us to action. When we're angry at the things God is angry at, we'll attack the problem, not the person, and it can result in positive change. Am I angry at a cause that angers God? What is so important to me that I'm angry about it? I mean, let's be honest. Much of what we get angry about is when something comes between me and what I have to have. Order, control, control a thing. You just block me. And when that's blocked and something interferes with my intentions, I start to feel the anger. What is so important to me that I'm angry about it? Question number one. Question number two is what am I defending? What am I defending here? I mentioned earlier that if the thing we love is being threatened, that can trigger anger in us. What am I defending? Because what you're defending might reveal what you love the most. Is it your agenda you're defending? Are you embarrassed and you need to save face and you need to defend that? Are you defending your ego or your pride or your performance? Or, the, or are you defending the thing you wrap your identity around, your looks or your grades or your winning or being the best, a certain skill? What am I defending? Third question, what are you building your life on? What am I building my life on? I would be happy if, <laughs> fill in the blank. Because that's like the way you're trying to build your life on. So to ask that question, just might identify, it might, some idols in our lives. We may be worshiping our appearances. We might be worshiping the God of convenience. We might be worshiping the love of, of an individual, of the love of Christ. We might be worshiping our schedules. What are you building your life on? Things? If we're looking to things for our happiness or for our significance rather than to God, we will find ourselves angry a lot. Because things can't come through for us. Only God can. What are you building your life on? Again, to Martin Luther King Jr. and the rest of that quote, quote, he said, the great military leaders of the past have gone. Their empires have crumbled and burned to ashes. But the empire of Jesus built solidly and majestically on the foundation of love is still growing. <laughs> Let's build our life on the foundation of Christ's love. Let's be honest, admit that the anger within may be limiting, may be limiting our impact on building God's kingdom. And over and over again, God reminds me the things I get all hot and bothered about really come around to me. I'm defending me. Likely, I, I, I shared with you before how on one occasion years ago, when I was at a, a supermarket and I was trying to pay my way through Bible school and preparing for ministry, and then I was setting up at this supermarket this product display at the end of the aisle. And... And just as I was finishing up, I thought it really kind of looked pretty nice. Uh, Just as I was finishing up, the entire pyramid of cans fell to the floor. And I had this little adult version of a hissy fit. (laughs) I kicked some cans around the floor. I sputtered some words of frustration and anger. No, not one of my finer moments. Worse, though, (laughs) was when a customer happened to be walking by And seeing my pathetic show of anger, handed me a gospel track. (laughs) I'm not making this up. Obviously to him, I was one lost soul who needed to know the good news of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Now I felt it best not to tell him I was already saved and I was attending Bible school and preparing for ministry. I left that out. You know, that was then those of you who know me best know that given the right set of circumstances anger is not too far away and those are opportunities for me to ask what is so important to me that I'm angry about it what am I defending what am I building my life on what am I building my life on let's pray God help us to get a handle on this. Help us to know when we're to be good and angry and yet sin not. To stay in control. To show restraint. To confess when we've blown it. I pray God that from this time in Proverbs on anger it would point us to the deeper matters at hand, and that's to be after building your kingdom and building our life on your love, on your grace, your goodness, on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Guide us in that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.